Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by producer JL, John Luke Shapiro. On today's show, is it time to check the concernometer? After an ugly loss to the Ottawa Senators, the Rangers seem to have some defensive issues to address. Uh, we'll also talk about how Philip Heedle's injury might impact Chris Drury's trade deadline strategy. All that, a little more. And of course, we will answer your burning questions via Twitter. JL, how are you doing on this fine and chilly Wednesday evening as we record this week's show? I'm good. I'm tired, but it's the good kind of tired. You know, it's David Letterman would affectionately say. Um, hockey's fun. I'm actually enjoying hockey for once in a long time, even though last season wasn't the worst. But yeah, this is fun outside of the couple losses. But yeah, I'm great. Yeah, well, and as we were joking about before we uh, before we started recording, the Rangers have had quite a bit of success and, you know, you're, you've been doing the thing for the blog and you've been, you know, posting some videos to your awesome YouTube channel, by the way, which everybody should check out floating Apple productions, uh, oh, kind of looking back at that, you know, the, the Yarmir Yager years, the, uh, you know, you could rattle off some of the players you've done. I, I, I watched most of your, uh, Peter Pruka video from his rookie year, oh, his 30 gosh, goal rookie fun. campaign. That one was fun yeah. to put together. It, it was so I've done let's see it's Naslin, Lindros, Pruka, Yager. Um, I think I did Theo Fleury, and I think there might mm -hmm. be one more, but it and then uh, there's some moments that I found um, you know, outside of the, you know, a lot of people know my channel, at least from who observed it, is the channel that, you know, it does like the both broadcasts too. I also do those as mm -hmm. well. So like yep. I did the Bruins win and, and Jack Edwards is just, I don't know if there's something physically wrong with him or he's just really bad at his job, but that one was really fun to put together. But the Yager video, uh, that I had to break up into three, four separate videos because the fourth one is basically the whole compilation, but I separated it from his first year full season rather. Cause he got, he got acquired at the deadline the, before the lockout. Uh, he had the 54 goals. Uh, and I just, I, I just found them and I just wanted to start putting compilations together. Naslin was the first one and I just wanted to keep doing it. So, uh, yeah, check those out. I, the, I really, I, I, as much as I enjoy putting the, the multiple broadcast ones together, I really enjoy putting together the old ones cause I get to relive some goals from when I was a kid. So thank you for watching, by the way, I appreciate that. <laughs> no doubt. Well, and si so my point of being, you know, since then, look, that was 2005, 2006. That was the, the first year out of the lockout that the Rangers really revived the franchise, you know, with Yager, with Henrik Lundqvist, of course. And they've mostly been good, right? You know, I, I always try to take an optimistic view with this team, especially mm -hmm. from, you know, uh, overall, right? Obviously there's minutia, there's, there's things that you can pick at from a game to game, uh, you know, or a week to week or even a month to month basis. But you know, you talk about they've pretty much had had quite a bit of success overall. A couple of conference final appearances, a Stanley Cup final appearance. They've won a ton of games. They've won a President's Trophy. They've won the division a few times. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you compare that with you've said the hockey's good, right? The hockey is fun. You compare that with the football team we root for, and it's like, which oh, is just geez. an utter disaster on Goodness a gracious. week to week and a month to month <laughs> and a year to year basis, right? So, to your point, right? Not much. You couldn't tell who that what, what team that is. So, but if you, yes, if you, you don't know, even you need know. to say it. You don't yeah. even need to say it, but it is the Jets. Um, <laughs> but no, you know, to that point, though, 
uh, I did lead with, you know, we're recording on the, you know, the night after a, a really ugly loss to the Ottawa Senators, six to two, um, in a game that was, uh, you know, ne- never really close. I mean, the Rangers had a couple of opportunities to get back in it. They did have a ton of scoring chances in the second period, which was, you know, as Peter Laviolette called it, a track meet, just back and forth chance after chance on both nets. Um, but the final score was six to two. The third period was mildly disappointing for me because the Rangers didn't really mount any kind of a push. They didn't take advantage of a five on three power play and they lose a game, right? No big deal. They're 18, five and one. These losses happen, but, uh, and this is how I kind of want to frame the question to you, JL, and then we'll, we'll talk it through. Uh, I did a little bit of, I don't even want to call it research, uh, because it's really just looking at the, you know, the, uh, prior scores of games. So we're not really talking anything too in depth here, but uh, I, I I wrote it on Twitter last night. Over their last nine games, here's the uh, amount of goals the Rangers have given up. I'm going to read it out, right? Six against Dallas and a loss. They shut out Pittsburgh. They beat Philly three to one. So those were some a couple of good performances. Mm-hmm. They gave up four to the Bruins in a win. They gave up five to Buffalo in a loss. They gave up two to Detroit. That was a win. They gave up three to Nashville. That was also a win. Again, a bit of a high-scoring affair. They gave up five to the Sharks. That was also a win. So again, this trend of outscoring their opponent, they're outscoring their problems a little bit. And then again, the aforementioned centers game, a 6-2 loss to give up six goals. So that's 32 goals against in their last nine games. That's three and a half goals against per game. So my question to you, and I want to get your kind of overall thoughts on this as a, as a, you know, a way to get into the larger state of affairs of the team. Does that concern you? How concerned are you with the, with that trend defensively? Well, it's, it, it's, it's strange because it, it's, you know, it generally when things are going well, you don't want to kind of nitpick the small things, but sometimes they are just, uh, things that you kind of have to pay attention to. And, and it is, it is alarming, you know, um, obviously Fox was not available for most of those as he just came back from injury. I think, uh, his first game was against was uh did you you included Detroit in there correct? Yes, um, I did. Okay, so yeah, so you know Fox's first game against Detroit, basically like you know first couple games back after a really big injury. So, but other than that, I mean, it, while it is concerning, you know, it it, it it's to me it's not that big of a deal because obviously it's just a smaller sample size i would like to see how the coaching staff adjusts and what they do to make those adjustments to prevent these uh you know track meets like you said laviolette would put it um there's certainly it can you could probably say still trying to adjust to the system which i might kind of might find ridiculous at this point of the season but i mean it's not completely out of the question you know even though they've been doing this every single day since the beginning of the summer um but it's it's like it's kind of like i'm half concerned if that makes any sense kind of like a 50 50 where it's like yeah it's definitely something that you can't ignore but at the same moment it is a long season and these things these things kind of do happen after a while because what's Mm going to end up happening is is they're going to clean up their act you know because you know and they've shown they can do it they're going to clean up their act and then they're going to go on this goal scoring drought where nothing goes into the back of the net with something they experienced similar uh, early in the season, pretty more on the power play than anything. But is it is it concerning? Yes and no. 
you know, small sample size. If it's if it's like this going into the middle of January, that's a different story. But maybe this is just kind of oh, now Fox has to come back and adjust, or maybe Zach Jones is not as adept defensively as we thought he was. You know, I'd like to see how it would look once Adam Fox kind of gets his feet back from under him, because let's be honest, he does not look great. Um, yeah, obviously he has that you know that skill that you just cannot deny. You know, because, you know, that just comes with the package, but it just he just doesn't look right. You know, maybe that's a product of the knee or maybe that's just the product of him trying to get the rust off. But I'm not too concerned. Honestly, if I had to really be more concerned, I'd be, you know, I know we mentioned this the last podcast about Igor and I posed a question to the guys about it. But in that aspect, I'd be a little more concerned about Igor in that sense than I would be the defense. And if that's putting it into perspective, then, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, um, LaViolette definitely has the attention of this group. And I think a lot of them are aware that this is not the ideal way to play hockey and that track meets aren't going to get you into, um, and deep into the playoffs, you know, obviously we saw New Jersey basically feel the effect of that after the Rangers series last year. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you, you a lot of what you said there, I agree with. There, There is a cyclical nature to all of this where you're just going to go through stretches of an 82-game season where parts of your game are really at a at a at a high point right you're you're scoring a lot of goals or your special teams are really hot or it's your offense is clicking or your defense is clicking or whatever they they seem to be in a in a phase right now where the defense is a little bit off they are giving up a lot of goals i do think to your point and you're not the only person that has said this becky who uh you know is is on the show quite a bit and you know we we hope we'll have her back soon as well um she's said flat out last night, like Igor just doesn't look right. Like he, he has not played that well this season. I think that I, I agree with that. You know, his, um, his numbers are kind of, you know, they're, they're okay. His kind of standard goalie stats. I know his goal saved above, uh, expected is, is in the positive, right? So he is, um, at least on the right side of, of, uh, of neutral, if you will, as a goaltender, but he is not, um, dominating games the way that you know we are used to seeing and now on one hand that's great news right because they're 18 5 and 1 they have the best record and points percentage in the league um they have not been goaltender reliant which if you've been listening to this podcast and and listen to me yammer on about the rangers for the last you know few years i have more than once (laughs) said i just wish this team wasn't so goalie reliant and 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 i i think it's clear why right the teams that are Mm -hmm. super goalie reliant don't win Right. So, so this team isn't, um, but the other, the, the, the part of it that is concerning for me, JL. And I think that the one that does bear watching and has been a little bit of an issue over a little bit longer of a sample size, at least according to Steve Valaket, who, you know, shares some of that clear site analytics data, which is proprietary, right. And the clients mm-hmm. pay quite a bit of money for that, but he does share what he can share the Rangers since November 12th. So we're talking about almost a month now are dead last in the league in terms of rush chances against, right? So so expected goals against off the rush. Um, last night during Ottawa, the Ottawa game, now I jumped into that game. Uh, we've been dealing with some, you know, uh, issues getting our youngest child to sleep. So we don't see a lot of first periods, uh, you know, in this house if the game starts at seven. But um, I, I started watching that game. I saw chunks of the first period. Then I started watching like from the beginning of the second. And... I actually was, you know, in our little Twitter group chat, I was literally like counting the rush chances against. I was like, there's number two, there's number Mm -hmm. three, 
There's yeah. number four. There's number five. And I think the fifth one, Tarasenko scored on. Yes, um, yeah. And that, that was kind of the goal that broke their back in the Ottawa game. And that to me is a problem. Because, and now, now look, part of that is Adam Fox, but Adam Fox plays 20 minutes a night. The other 40 minutes a night, the the other you know four defensemen are out there. You know, uh, I assume Fox plays with Lindgren. Um, it's on the forwards as well to do their job back checking. It's on the Rangers as a team to stick to that structure, whether that means being a little bit more responsible in the offensive zone. Cause I think that Tarasenko goal came off of an offensive zone turnover. Panarin went to make mm-hmm. a drop pass. No one was there four seconds later. It's in the back of the net on the other end of the ice. So, um, you know, I, I think that's what concerns me. I'll say is, is just, is the rush chances against. And the reason Valaket has noted it is it's his red flag, right? He's and I can't remember the exact stats, but basically any team that's won the cup in the last four seasons has been top five in rush chances against in terms of, again, expected goals against off the rush, uh, if we're being um, exact about the stats. So um, does that, you know, I guess, what do you what do you think they do to fix that? Or 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 is it just as you said earlier, like they're in a little bit of a rut, they just need to get back to their to, to their principles because. You know, I, I agree with you, JL. Like the first month of the season, they were so disciplined. Like everybody was talking about, look how structured they are. Like the neutral zone play is perfect. They, they you know, they they were responsible with the puck, but they weren't also generating as much offense, right? So, so here's what's happening. They seem to be generating more offense. As I said, you know, when I read off those goal totals, a lot of those games were wins because they outscored their problems, right? It's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, we gave up four to Boston, but we scored seven. So who cares? Scored seven, yeah. Right. So, you know, I guess here's my question to you. Are you okay with them outscoring their problems? And how do you strike that balance between like, well, we need to generate more offense versus we have to remain defensively responsible? Well, that's where the system comes into play. You're not going to be able to outscore your opponents. This is the, this is the national. You're, you're not going to outscore your opponents every night unless you're like the O2 Red Wings. It's, it, 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 you know, as good as the Rangers are, you know, they don't have the the scoring depth. I mean, they're lucky that, you know, Panarin has basically returned to form this season and Lafreniere has really emerged. And now Mika and Kreider are beginning to break out of their shell a little bit too, but it's not sustainable to constantly try and outscore your opponents because then you're going to run into the one team that's going to really clamp down on that. And not only will they clamp down on it, but then that will cause tighter, you know, tighter sticks and tighter sticks mean more mistakes. So, um, one thing I noticed during the Ottawa game, and maybe this just is sloppiness, or maybe it's just kind of like you know, you know, the 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 you know the fog of the season is I noticed that, and maybe I'm wrong. Anyone who is more strategically sound than I am could probably correct me. Um, you might have noticed this. I think this is something that I observed after you had mentioned it in the chat. Maybe I'm wrong. Might have been someone else. Maybe, but um, the the center was not. You know, their centers all night were not back checking. You know, they were yeah. really pushing up. Um, a lot of them were really down low. Like I noticed Mika Zibanejad a lot was really down low a lot. And that's not a problem, but there was nobody backing him up. So I think even on um, the Tarasenko goal, they were just kind of, you know, just kind of being very passive on the back check. And I kind of get flashbacks with that because that's how they ended up losing the cup final in 14 was because Benoit Pouliot decided not to back check hard enough. And that's how Alec Martinez was able to come in on the shot and get the loose puck to put it in the back of the net. So I think what they're trying to do is 
they I feel like they got away with it before and they went away unscathed. So now you see them taking more risks and that's how they were able to kind of really just outscore everybody. But now you can see it's beginning to catch up with them a little bit. And, you know, obviously a lot of that too is also maybe fatigue. You know, I don't really want to try and attribute fatigue into sports because this is what they get paid for. But at the same time, they're also human beings. The Rangers have played a lot of hockey within the last month and a half. So, you know, maybe that's a part of it. Maybe they just need a little bit more of a break. You know, um, they have a couple days off. They don't play until Saturday, but then they play back to back. So, um, but then I'm thinking too, maybe a break might not be the best thing for them. I, I, I usually what ends up happening is, is if a team ends up getting into a groove and then they stop that they end up coming back a little bit sloppier, but uh, they had a break not too long ago. I'm trying to remember what, uh, what game it was exactly, but they ended up winning. Obviously, it wasn't sustainable. Um, but I, I'm trying to remember. I can't put my my nose on it. But they had a a, a break between games. I think it might have been the New Jersey game or something along the lines of that. And they were um, they were right off for that like, game. Yeah, they'd have right. Like a week yeah, off. yes. So it was right before the Jersey game. I forget who they played, but I think they lost. I I, can't, I have to go look at it. But I apologize for my uh, my lack of attention on that. But they came back and they actually won. But they started that game. You know, I was I was at that game. They started it kind of shaky, and then they got their feet under them because New Jersey was all over them. So yeah, while it you know it it is concerning, it really is. Now that you you know you know Valak had mentioned that, and you can just see it. Um, we hope that this is something that they're consistently working on and making sure that they can get. A, you know, there was always a fine line between it. They they've done it before. They can do it again. You know, it just all depends on, you know, how they want to mix and integrate. And also a lot of that also comes from strategy and who they're playing. I guess they felt, you know, and teams tend to have a habit of doing this. And I feel like the Rangers, you would do it a lot, especially last season, is playing down to your opponent. Mm -hmm. So I think that also happened in the San Jose game as well. And the Buffalo game, too, which I was also at, unfortunately. And um they just kind of get blasé or they just try to take a chance they're not supposed to take. So it's definitely cause for concern, but I, you know, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's def it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the other, uh, again, I don't want to make too much of this because I do, I trust Peter Laviolette. And I think I said this on a, on the show a couple of weeks ago, like he's earned a lot of benefit of the doubt from me. And I think a, a large portion of this fan base where, any lineup decision he makes, any tactical adjustment he makes, the goaltender choices, right? All that stuff, he, he is pretty much going to be free from criticism for a while. Like, they've had such a good start. The team is so um, disciplined and, and organized. I mean, they've actually taken a lot of penalties. I don't mean that in terms of penalties, but I just mean in terms of they generally start games well. You know, they mm -hmm. generally, as you said, you know, they, 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 they have a little bit of a habit of playing up and down a competition, but that, you know, you're getting a good effort from them almost every night. Like they, you can count on one hand, the amount of like poor efforts they've had. I think it's two, I would say out of what is it? 24 games this season. So I'll take that. I think he's got a good uh, pulse of the team. Um, but, and this transitions us into, uh, you know, a, another part of our discussion here, his options are becoming limited, right? Philip has been out. There's no uh talk about when he might return capo caco will be back this season but that's all we know we don't know if that's in two weeks or in two and a half or three months barkley goodrow took a puck to the face early in the ottawa game 
did not return. His status for Saturday is at this point questionable. So they're down three of their starting forwards, right? They're starting 12. Look, Tyler Pitlick has stepped in and played well. Jimmy Vesey has upped his game. Johnny Brzezinski put in a couple of decent games, but I thought was pretty awful against Ottawa on on Monday Mm -hmm. night. Sorry, Tuesday night. Um, And, you know, Blake Wheeler really wasn't it on the right wing with Meekin and Kreider. Now, I don't love, I don't agree with all of the like cut Blake Wheeler tomorrow chatter because, A, you don't really do that in hockey. Like it's not football. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But also, I think in a bottom six role, he's probably fine, like he was earlier in the year, uh, where mm-hmm. his metrics were decent. And he, the, you know, and he was setting up Will Cooley for like two glorious chances a game, and the pucks just weren't going in. So he wasn't getting assists. Um, I think Blake Wheeler will be fine in a limited role. Um, but they need our top line right wing. And, you know, I, I think it, it might be Jimmy Vesey. We'll see if that happens. Um, and, and that's with or without Capo Caco coming back. Right. So, um, I think my, my point here though, JL is, you know, part of the reason they might be playing a little bit looser hockey is they just, they're, they're deep into the depth chart now. You know, like you mentioned, Fox missed almost a month. Heedle's been out. Kako's out. Goodrow was out for most of the game last night. So they were playing with 11 forwards, but you know, what would you do? Right. So, so let's assume Goodrow is healthy. So we don't have to worry about who the next call up is going to be. Although we'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, who are you putting on right wing with Mika and Kreider? Because yes, they've both been scoring. You know, Mika picked up an assist. Kreider, Kreider's, you know, I think second or third on the team and scoring behind Panarin. Mika's on a solid, you know, point scoring streak now. But, you know, they did not spend a lot of time in the offensive zone last night. They didn't have a particularly good game five on five. Again, Brodzinski was was bad. Uh, Laviolette tried Vincent Trocek on the wing to get those guys going. Again, when he was down to 11 forwards, there was uh, very irregular rotations throughout the game. But you know, what would you do assuming Goodrow's back healthy? What, how are you lining up, especially with that top line? I think you put VC up there, honestly. I mean, we'll get to the call-ups in a second because yeah. I do have some thoughts about that. But, I mean, Jimmy VC's definitely earned it. Um, and again, in, in regards to Blake Wheeler, you know, I've said this from the start. You know, we're, we're not expecting 2014, 2015 Blake Wheeler. You know, or we're not expecting Atlanta Thrashers Blake Wheeler, you know. Um it, it, you got to you Jimmy VC seems like the best man uh to throw up there he you know one of the few things Gallant actually did right was actually put those three together when it worked and mm-hmm. they did see some favorable results now i'm not going to i'm not going to you know throw Bradzinski off the trail on that line just yet i'm willing to give that a little bit more leeway but like you said he was pretty bad yesterday um he was one of the bigger culprits you know not really back checking either. You know, I noticed him just kind of floating around a little bit, so to speak. Then again, that whole line just kind of underperformed that night. Um, but yeah, I think Jimmy VC makes the most sense. Um, and if, if Barclay Goodrow ends up coming out, I think they definitely are going to have to look for somebody in the minors. They're going to have to, unless they just somehow make a magical trade. But um, yeah, VC seems like the best option for the top line at the moment. Um, and I, I just, I, you know, and then also too, like you think about it, there's, you know, since the injuries, you know, Heedle's not going to be around and, and uh, for a while, obviously, like it seems. And, you know, obviously we'll touch on that a little more too. Um, they, they've never really had much of a, you know, kind of time to gel as a full unit, so to speak. They almost had it when, you know, they almost had it 
you know, not too long ago, but then if Hedo uh, got knocked out and then Kako gets knocked out. So now you're basically having to piecemeal things together. And like you said, they put Trocek on the wing for goodness sake. I think I would be better on the wing than Vincent Trocek and I don't even play hockey anymore. So, you know, I mean, you know, not to say that, you know, Trocek's bad, but you know, clearly his, his best position is center. So, it, you know, it, they just they need they need to find solutions that can end up kind of gelling because obviously we know Lafreniere, Trocheck, and Panarin's going to stick. If Hedl somehow comes back or they end up getting somebody else, you know they're going to end up patrolling the third line. But um, you know everything else seems to be pretty set. Like you said, Blake Wheeler fits that bottom six pretty well, and so yeah, nothing drastic. Just throw Jimmy Vesey up there, tell him, hey, listen, go out there, have fun, see what happens, and I guarantee you they'll 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 you'll see some results. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense if they do change the lines. Now, Laviolette has been reluctant to do that, right? He's been, um, he's actually been very patient and given things a chance to um, work, given things an opportunity to work themselves out as opposed to just go to the line blender. Um, so I think VZ should get an opportunity. And, you know, I think everything kind of falls in place from there. You leave this, that second line together, it's been too good. Um, you know, and, and just, you know, bank on Johnny Brzezinski being a little bit more comfortable in a, in a middle six or bottom six role. Um, in terms of call-ups, uh, as we speak, Brennan Othman has scored his sixth goal and seventh goal, I think in his last six games, he's on absolute fire. Uh, Adam Sakura is producing Brett Berard is producing, uh, clearly Othman is the headliner though. Uh, and people want to see him. Uh, where do you fall on Othman coming to the NHL? Well, this is going to sound like a cop-out. I am 50-50 on it. <laughs> I'm not against the idea, but I do see the I do see the logical reason why somebody wouldn't want to do it. Now, for, just for the sake of this here, I'm only going to say uh, why I think they should do it. Honestly, because really, what else do you really have to turn to? I mean, maybe he does have a little bit more to prove in the A, but, you know, at this point, it's kind of similar to what happened, in, and I'm going to relate the baseball with this. It's kind of similar to what happened with Francisco Alvarez in the New York Mets. Like, he, he you know, he gets called up because, you know, uh, Omar Narvaez had that injury, and he basically played his way to stay. And it ultimately forced Tomas Nito out of the lineup, you know, rightly so. You know, no one's crying over Tomas Nito, obviously. But, you know, it just kind of said, what does it hurt to bring him up? You know, and the same thing for Othman. While I do understand the other side of the argument, why not bring him up? How much, how much worse can it get? Honestly, you know, we're, you know, we're sitting here and we've hyped the kid up for so long and, you know, he clearly has a scoring touch, but not only does he have a scoring touch, the kid is sandpaper out there. Now, whether you want it to be a Berard or an Othman, I'm clearly more in the favor of Othman. I think Berard could use a little more seasoning probably. But, uh, you know, maybe that could bring life into that line. You know, it's it, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Peter Pruka in that sense, you know, where um, I forget what the situation was, but Pruka got put on the power play because I think somebody got hurt. I think it was Straka that got hurt. And somebody correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but Straka got hurt in 0506. And so they, uh, or somebody got hurt, whether it was Straka or Rachinsky or whatever, and they decided to pop Peter Pruka on there. And what do you know? The kid, you know, as the, as everyone likes to say, kid popped off. He scored 30, 30 goals in his, his rookie season. 
And, you know, he was primarily seen as like a fourth liner, you know, just kind of a fast guy who can shoot the puck. Uh, he ended up turning out to be pretty well that season. So not, I'm not trying to compare. <laughs> I'm not trying to compare Brennan Othman to Peter Pruka because that's just it's a slightly disingenuous. It's more I'm comparing the situation, so to speak. But I mean, what could it hurt? Honestly, I mean, you know, Mika and Kreider, they're not really play drivers. It often seems like he kind of is. So he can just kind of sit around, get into the dirty areas, and he could pass. He clearly fixed his issue of getting knocked down and not being able to stay on his skates. So why not? I'm not going to be as frantic as say, he needs to be here now. But, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to call him up within the next couple of weeks. If, and maybe if somebody gets injured, you know, give him a little cup of coffee, you know, see what he does. I'm um, not totally caught up on the contract situation in the sense on whether or not it would affect any of that or not. But um, being that he's in the A, it probably won't really matter much anyways. But why not? Call him up. See what happens. You know, no biggie. <laughs> you know, shoot. It's like, think, think of it this way, okay? So we look we look at the way that Mika and Kreider have kind of, you know, let's just say, uh, how can I put it? Let's just say kind of been in a malaise a little bit. And, you know, they're just kind of there. Yeah, they'll put up their points. They'll, you know, they'll, you know, they'll do their thing. They'll get their stuff on the power play. Um, but at the end of the day, there's not really a jolt on that line <laughs> so to speak i mean then again Kreider could just you know skate really fast but um ultimately i think the argument for othman is that like what are you really gonna lose you know sucks for hartford though i'll just say you know because they'll be losing you know one of they basically their best player i guess you can say that but um <laughs> you know ultimately at the end of the day you know and, and even like a guy like Berard, i would not be against that either you know, Berard seems to be kind of growing. He's been with the organization a little bit longer, I think, if I'm correct. Or maybe it's the same year. I can't remember. I have to double check that. But, you know, it just why not? <laughs> really, why not? You know, it, it, honestly, it really can't get much. It really can't get much worse. So. So I understand what you're saying, JL. I, I understand the argument from the other fans out there that want to see Brennan Othman. He was really, <clears throat> excuse me, impressive in training camp. He's been really impressive in Hartford. I, I just, there's a couple of reminders here, right? <clears throat> One is a lot of the goals he's scoring are on the power play. And if he comes here, he's not going to play on the power play, maybe at all. You know, maybe with the way that they're banged up, he would get some time with the second unit. And I think that the Rangers are, uh, you know, with this coaching staff and and the way that uh, they've been operating, you know, they 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 don't want to come up and have him play like a purely defensive role because that's not the type of player he is. But um, he would not get a lot of power play time. You know, look, the other thing is they're 18, five and one, you know, and they've bought themselves a lot of wiggle room. Uh, and a lot of margin for error. Now, I'm not saying you piss that away. Um, and I know there are a lot of people who, you know, are going to argue the meritocracy point, right? Like whoever's playing best in Hartford should come up. And, you know, mm -hmm. while that argument is being made um, probably by a lot of people, you know, who aren't watching full games. And I'm not I'm not accusing you of that, JL. I'm not accusing anybody of anything here. But, um, 
you know, I don't think a lot of people are sitting there watching every single Hartford Wolfpack game in full. Um, the other thing that strikes me is that, you know, part of the Rangers, um, you know, bargain bin shopping spree over the summer was, you know, not only did they sign Tyler Pitlick, Nick Benino, Blake Wheeler, obviously, but they signed a couple of other depth guys with NHL experience, right? Alex Belzil, Riley Nash. Um, and so, and, you know, Belzil's a guy who played in Montreal last year and, and was decent, had decent underlying metrics. I don't have his counting stats in front of me, but I, I think he had maybe 10 or 12 or 15 points. Um, so that's a guy that you might be able to plug in play for a couple of games as well. I just think that it's, it's, it really makes the most sense for a guy like Offman to do exactly what Will Cooley did last year, right? Get most of the season in Hartford. Maybe you get a couple of game call up in the spring, maybe when the games are a little uh, more meaningless, you know, if the Rangers kind of start locking up playoff spots and first place in the Metro and stuff like that, you give Offman a look then. You have him around the team during the playoffs as kind of like a black ace, so he gets that taste of playoff hockey. He's around the big club. He's club. He starts to understand you know, the rigors, the rigors of the, you know, professional life at the top level. You know, I just think that <clears throat> there's still so many scars, frankly, from Kako and Lafreniere that I don't want to see the same thing happen to Brennan Hoffman. So that's the other side of the coin. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I think the Rangers can get by with, you know, plugging in an Alex Belzil or even a Riley Nash, as opposed to pressing the Hoffman button, which to me would really be that's the kind of thing, you know, you'd probably see if the team were floundering, right? If they were more around 500, you know, on the edges of playoff contention, and that's not where they are right now. Right. No, that definitely, that definitely does make sense. And, and, and like I said before, I do definitely see that side of the argument um, because, you know, clearly, you know, the things that you mentioned are incredibly valid. Um, you know, I myself have not seen many Hartford Wolfpack games. I have seen a few. Um, AHL TV is somewhat inconvenient <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i wish i wish they kind of adopted a similar model like they do with major league baseball where you know you get mlb tv you basically get all the minor league games now with that package um if they were to do that i'd watch a bunch more you know but um alas i don't see many hartford wolf pack games um in the times that i have seen some of the wolf pack games um he does look good out there i'll say that you know he For definitely sure. does he definitely does make an impact, but you know, the whole power play thing is definitely ringing true, but you know, I definitely see the other side of the argument. Um, and you know, there's no need to panic or to rush. Like you said, it's, you know, they're, they're 18, five and one, there's no need to kind of drastically change, but it would be just cool to see just purely from a fan standpoint, you know, I, I, and one of the things too, that I probably attribute to the, the Ranger fans wanting this is that, you know, for many years, you know, we're not really used to having this kind of star power. You know, we're granted, you know, Lafreniere is just beginning to break out and Kako is still kind of a question mark. You know, we never really had uh, prospects that we can honest to goodness say that, yeah, these guys can actually make an impact on the roster. Because, you know, what what did what did we look forward to at some point uh, back in the day? And I know uh you know, we like to talk about, I know Tyler likes to bring a lot of these guys up. And I know I mentioned it a couple times before. You got like Danny Cristo, Christian Thomas, uh, <laughs> yeah. Michael St. Croix, you know, all those guys that, you know, that came up with like JT Miller, Zuccarello and uh, Chris Kreider and McDonough. You know, you got the other half of it, like Pavel Valentenko. 
<laughs> you know, all these guys that just kind of flamed out, you know, Bobby Sanguinetti, who is in my uh, an upcoming version of uh, Forgotten Rangers for the website. So check that out. So nice. I think with the with um, with a lot of these, you know, news high end guys that we're getting and we're drafting, you know, we want to see them right away because, you know, McDavid's doing well or Eichel and Sagan and Hall. All these guys came up immediately and they had somewhat of a positive impact. And it's just like, well, how come the Rangers can't have that? Well, mm-hmm. you know, then now that's a whole different discussion about team building and the situations those teams are in. But that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, look, I get that frustration. And and it's certainly look, it's the, the team just has does not have a history of drafting. Uh, and, and I don't even know about developing. Right. Because truly how much development was did Connor McDavid do in Edmonton? They've been a train wreck for most of his time there. He's just that great. You know, similarly, you know. You know, I always think of even like Patrice Bergeron, right? He's like an all-time great, and he was a second-round pick. Like the Rangers haven't mm-hmm. ha- haven't had that, right? They haven't sort of stumbled ass backwards into an all-time great skater. Mm-hmm. Now they've done so with goalies, Henrik Lundqvist yes. in particular. Um, you know, Brian Leach was a Ranger draft pick. He's one of the gr- best defensemen of all time. You know, obviously Adam Fox, not a draft pick, but but played has played his only professional hockey in the Ranger organization. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like the you know a team with a hundred-year history is totally bereft of hall of yeah. fame talent in its ranks, but, but no, it, it's a source of frustration. I get that. You know, I'm just thinking practically for this season. Also, I did just check uh, Belzil's stats. Just if anyone was curious, he did have 14 points in 31 games for the Canadians last year. Again, bad team. He was probably playing in the middle six or something like that. He probably mm-hmm. got some power play time. You know, I don't know the specifics, but six goals, eight assists. So, and he's a, you know, he's one of Hartford's better players. So he's kind of similar to Brodzinski, right? He's that like quadruple A, you know, right smack in the middle of like either you're a, you know, uh, an AHL star or an NHL regular. And he's kind of like, you know, in the, in the middle quadruple A. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if Goodrow comes out healthy, if he can play on Saturday and if not what the Rangers do. Uh, before we get to the questions, last thing I wanted to discuss just briefly, uh, a couple of things that that were said on another podcast with the uh, with the term blue seats in it. This one's called Up in the Blue Seats. It's the New York Post podcast uh, with Molly Walker, Larry Brooks, Brian Boyle's on that podcast now. Uh, I always like to point out when we do bring that show up that this show with our title existed before that one. So uh, <laughs> That's Live right. in the Blue yes. Seats is not a ripoff of Up in the Blue yeah. Seats. Uh, we, you know, look, I know the blue seats thing is, is not original by any stretch of the imagination. Yes. But, uh, our show was here first. One of the things that we have a distinction too, is we never had a former player got fired from our podcast. So correct. Yeah. And (laughs) I don't think that'll ever happen with us. Um, there's a couple of nuggets from kind of what Brooks, you know, Brooks kind of, I think joins that show for the first segment and kind of runs down some of the, you know, newsworthy items. Um, he mentioned a potential Tarasenko reunion, but kind of, you know, uh, he loved his time here. But, you know, do the Rangers want to go the route of, you know, quote unquote, running it back uh, after a season last year that ended in such disappointment, leaving such a bitter taste in everyone's mouth? So th- there might be some reluctance there. Also, again, the cap number uh, is tough. He is on a five million dollar contract for this season with Ottawa, obviously scored a couple goals against the Rangers on Tuesday night. Of course, I hope if you are a betting person that you placed your wager because that bet is almost a guarantee against the Rangers, the former player scoring. Uh, I think the other thing that was a little bit more interesting was just the lack of clarity around Philip right? And 
Now, look, Brooks brought up Adam Henrique. I don't really want to talk about that as a as an option. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, he's on the last year of his deal. He's an experienced, um, you know, uh, he's an experienced center iceman. He would bring value. Uh, he's got a little bit more of a scoring punch than the current third line center, Nick Benino, right? So who's definitely, you know, supposed to be the fourth line center, definitely playing up a peg there. Um, I think what's more interesting to me is the heatle injury right now, Larry Brooks, who is, you know, relatively plugged in. I know he's not always hundred percent accurate with what he hears and what he shares, but you know, no beat writer is uh, Larry's got a lot of years doing the job. No one seems to have any clue about Philip Heedle. And we talked about concerns earlier, right. With defense and depth and right mm-hmm. top line, right wing, right. These are all valid concerns to me. The heatle injury is the number one concern. Uh, again, yes. part of the reason I think the, uh, defense has been a little bit shoddy lately is because of but they're missing a guy like Heedle, right? They're missing Fox. They're missing Heedle as well. And so you're, you know, you're just constantly running lineups out there that are a little bit suboptimal. Um, you know, right now, you know, even with the Trocheck clicking with Lafreniere and Panarin, fine. Heedle slots in as your third line center. You, you, if fully healthy, you might even be looking at a third line of uh, Heedle centering Will Cooley and Capococco, which I think would be a phenomenal third line. Um, and then you have all those solid depth players uh, to make up a fourth line below that. Um, it's getting to a point where I'm getting nervous because all they say is that he skated on his own. I did read, I think, in, in one of our Arthur Staples articles on The Athletic that Heedle did fly out to Michigan to see a you know a, neuro, a neurological specialist, a concussion specialist. Um, whenever I hear that, that's not good. You know, we know this is a concussion. Um, you know, to switch sports briefly. Uh, you, you've seen what it's done to football players as a Yankee fan. I saw what happened with Anthony Rizzo, how his mm-hmm. you know performance fell off a cliff after a concussion. And he basically was living with post-concussion symptoms for four months um, and really should not have been playing any baseball whatsoever. Um, it's getting to a point, JL, where I think we might be having a conversation about shutting down Philip Hedl. But first of all, what are your thoughts on um, trade deadline and how do you know, and how to and how the heedle injury potentially shapes that. So, you know, it, it, it in regards to just heedle himself, you know, we hope that he can make a you know a speedy recovery, but you want that recovery to be, you know, at the length of you know the time that he needs so that he can recover, not just for hockey purposes, but also just for the quality of life purposes, you know, people mm-hmm. who suffer numerous concussions, you know, cause he's had his, he's had his few with the Rangers and, and that's not even counting some that he may have either done overseas back in, in, in Chechia or whatever, but he suffered. I think this is probably his fourth or fifth in the NHL so far. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at a guy, you know, even though he's not on the same level, you know, uh, lore wise, but you look at a guy like Lindros, you know, and you know, he was already, he had, he, when he came to the Rangers, he was already on the tail end of basically almost dying. You know, he sat a whole season, which definitely, you know, helped his cause for the sake of, you know, recovering, even though it was through a contract dispute, but uh, he ended up suffering a couple more with the Rangers. And that kind of just really ended all sort of production that he ended up having, you know, and maybe, the reason and maybe he should have taken a little more time to rest and you know maybe he would have played a little longer if you know there wasn't a lot of negligence in terms of the way they took care of him in Philly and even you know after the fact 
So with Heedle, I'm, I'm glad that they're playing it on the safe side because he's still young. Um, but when it comes to attempting to try and replace him, I, I think you may have alluded to it that if there gets to a certain point where he is not ready, you shut him down for the season, you know, and if that's going to be the case and everything is still kind of up in the air or even not even just for the season, you just shut him down until playoffs, you know, and obviously you want him here because he definitely brings an element of skill to the to the team that, you know, they're actually missing right now, you know, say what you, you know, as good as. Trocek has been with Panarin and, and Lafreniere right before Hedl got hurt. Hedl was actually beginning to heat up, you know, no pun intended, um, with that line. And, you know, the team seemed very stable with Trocek at third center. But obviously now with the success that they've had, you can't really change that. But Hedl, like you said, would do well in the third line with, you know, like a Cooley and a Wheeler or maybe, you know, when Kaku gets healthy, you know, he would do well there too. So now, now if Hedl's out for a long period of time, what do you do? So... You can kind of also you can also throw the Tarasenko uh, uh, matter into this. So now you're basically set with two conundrums, so to speak. So you would need a, a a depth center, not one that's too expensive, but then you also still have to find some scoring. So if it ends up going to the point where the Rangers want to bring back Tarasenko, look, I know, and you and I've had this conversation in our chat before Rangers Twitter is absolutely obsessed with Frank Vetrano. And, you know, it's rightly so. I mean, there's a bit of a nostalgia with that playoff run, especially with, you know, uh, fans who are a bit younger, you know, I mean, you mm -hmm. know, there were players that we really did enjoy when, you know, cause I'm, I'm a bit on the older side compared to most of Rangers Twitter now. So, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, I think I, I had written something about Nick Antropov and I wanted to bring him back and Derek Morris, you know, because, you know, I really like those guys, even Brian McCabe, I wanted them to bring back, but obviously they did not. So I can understand the, you know, seeing it through the lens of let's run it back and let's try and bring the player back. Now, most of the time, you know, um, unless it's, you know, the team really needs it. There's no point in bringing any of those guys back. But, you know, with Tarasenko, on the other hand, there was something about that when he was here. It just something felt right, you know. It, yeah. And also maybe part of it was rectifying a wrong from the 2010 draft when, mm -hmm. they, when they skipped him for McElrath. But, you know, uh, when you look at the acquisitions, Kane, obviously, you know, whatever he was in Detroit, you know, I wasn't really too keen on bringing him back anyways. I mean, I've made that point known through the ether so many times, even though I do own a Patrick Kane jersey, but um, I also own a Tarasenko as well. But Tarasenko, it just kind of seemed like, you know, it was, it, you know, and we've discussed this on the podcast before, you know, he knows Panarin. You know, they were, they've been friends, you know, they played on the Russian, you know, Russian national team together for juniors and many other competitions. And, you know, as the, as they like to say, the vibes were, the vibes were immaculate when they brought him in. He seems like a good guy. He loved the city. His family absolutely loved it from all accounts that were given. And it was actually more sad that they couldn't keep him because of the cap crunch over Patrick Kane. You know, Patrick Kane was more of just like, all right, we're going to try this and see what happens. No, I you could actually make a strong argument for Tarasenko having to stay here. And I think that was one of the big reasons why he changed agents and wanted to see if he could uh, negotiate a deal with the team, which is ultimately, I think, which why he ended up signing a one year deal with Ottawa, because mm -hmm. he, I guess he feels that maybe he could come back. 
And yeah. with the and he was and he and, and and he was one of our better performers in the playoffs. So I would have no problem sticking him with Zabanajet and Kreider, especially if you know the Rangers are not going to be gun ho with calling up Brennan Offman. That's something absolutely they would possibly do. How to make it work money wise? I'm sure the cap will dictate that when the time comes. In the Heedle aspect, you know, real quick, you know, there's a couple of options out there. I saw Sean Monahan's name get thrown around a little bit, which wouldn't be too bad. Um, but they definitely would have to get a center. And I think that's going to be the first thing they're going to do before they end up getting a winger because, you know, center depth is always important, you know, and I, and when, when Trocek was signed, you know, we reiterated that, you know, center depth is what wins your cups, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you look at all the good teams that won Stanley cups, their center depth was more than likely three deep, you know, your fourth guy can be here or there, but you could even point to like the 94 Rangers, for example, you had Messier, you had McTavish, you know, you had, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say yeah. Estetikinen, but you know, they were, well, they were Sergei Nemchinov was like a really good third line center. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Right. So you had, you basically had Messier, Nemchinov, Tikkanen and McTavish, I guess you could say, and I might be missing one more person and I apologize. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was a little, it was also just a little bit different back then. I mean, they did dress, you know, it wasn't that long ago because I, back in the seventies, I think they only dressed 10 forwards as opposed to 12. Yeah. But, yeah. um, you know, the way the the lines kind of shook out, you know, and, and they did a lot of juggling too, like in game, like, you, you know, there was a lot of Messier, Graves, Kovalev, but then they would yeah. also go Messier, Graves, Anderson. And I think Kovalev, Kovalev played, he played some center. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Steve Larmer played some center as well. So like, you know, mm -hmm. but that team had, had depth to your point. And they specifically right. went and got Craig McTavish to kind of like round out that center depth. Um, mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right about, about that, you know, Look, with Heedle, and this is just kind of a thought that crossed my mind as I was kind of reading through some of this stuff earlier. Like, if I was Chris Drury, I would look at it like this, right? Today is, if you're listening to this podcast, today is December 7th um, or 6th, whatever it is. I, I can't keep track of days anymore. We're starting on the 6th. This, this will be right. on the 7th. So, that, right, so it's so, the 6th, but it'll there the people will hear this on the 7th. All right. So let's say I'm Chris Drury. It's December 7th. Um, we've got... 18 days to Christmas. We've got, you know, 23 days, 24 days till the end of the year. Um, and, and, and the calendar turns over. That's about four weeks. Let's just call it four weeks. I would say if it's the first week of January and I haven't gotten any word from the doctors that Heedle's made any progress, I'm seriously considering putting Heedle on the shelf for the rest of the season and moving forward as though, that cap space will be there. Cause again, remember how LTIR works, right? Um, you can use that cap space while guys are out, but then when they come back, their, their full cap, it comes back on the books. Mm -hmm. So the teams that have gone over the cap using LTIR, Tampa Bay lightning, Vegas, golden Knights, they've done that with players who are missing the entire regular season. Now to your point, right. JL, the salary cap does not exist in the playoffs. You could, in theory, bring Heedle back, but then where is he going to play, right? If you're going out and trading for a, a third-line center like a Sean Monahan or Tyler's guy, you know, Yanni Gord, then where are you putting Heedle? Right now, Gord's an interesting candidate because he can also play the wing. That's your solution right there. Uh, but can you fit that all under the cap, right? So um, if you're also getting a winger like Tarasenko. So if this is becomes a very interesting, you know, uh, scenario whereby Chris Drury is going to need to thread the needle. Right. It's it's the health of Philip Hedl. It's a very tight cap sheet. It's the health of Capo Caco. 
it's the lack of scoring from right wing. There's a lot of, and it's the lack mm-hmm. of center depth. So again, for an 18, five and one team, again, we're not, it's not all doom and gloom here, but there are issues to be addressed as you look forward to the playoffs, right. And to how this team contends for and potentially wins the Stanley cup. And we can do that right here on December 7th. We can talk about that because the team is off to such a great start. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, and uh, Chris Jury does not have an easy job ahead of him. All right, let's get to the questions. We're, we're going to start wrapping it up here. So, um, JL, if you would read those out, we can uh, bandy them about. All right. So this first question, so we put out a tweet. Obviously, we do every week. Uh, we didn't get a chance to do it last week, uh, but now we finally were able to do it this week. So thank you for everyone to submitting your questions. We hope that you guys can continue to do this again. We love answering your questions, whether they're serious or not. So the first question comes from... Again, I always like to say my favorite follow on Twitter, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, Mr. John Cougar Colleen Camp at Bill Seussbill. <laughs> and I, I think this is a joke. I'm not entirely sure, but I, 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 I'll, I'll leave it up to you to figure out. He says, uh, first he asks, what do you think of Eric Gustafson's next contract? Uh, what does it look like and how much will you miss him? And secondly, he also asks, what are your thoughts on the Robinson deal implications for the Eastern conference. So uh, earlier today, that's the thing. I don't know if this is a joke or not, because I don't think Eric Robinson moves any needles in terms of uh, trades, but yeah, I'm going to go, I'm uh, going to go joke. <laughs> yeah. So Eric Robinson uh, was traded uh, to the Buffalo Sabres uh, in exchange for a conditional 2025 seventh round pick that originally belonged to Nashville. So his serious question uh, is what do you think of Eric Gustafson's next contract and how much will you miss him? Well, I mean, listen, and that is obviously tongue firmly planted in cheek as well, but <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, he's, been, he's been great. And, you know, I know it's the, the athletic does, they do a lot of really interesting content, but one of the things they do is they have like player tiers and it's based on kind of, you know, counting stats, but also like, you know, they've come up with this kind of like catch all stat called net rating, which they also have in basketball. Um, but one of the things they do is they compare the players cap it to the actual value they're bringing on ice. I haven't seen Eric Gustafson's player card, but I would probably, I would guess that he's performing at the level of a five to $6 million defenseman and his cat yeah, on a cap hit of 800,000. Yeah. So, I think that's about right. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a bona fide power play quarterback as we saw when Adam Fox was injured. Um, and if he played a full season on the power play, especially one as potent as the Rangers, he could probably score 50 to 60 points. Um, he is much better defensively than I think anybody thought he would be. Um, he's as responsible and strong and positionally sound as his partner, Braden Schneider, who's supposed to be the one kind of that handles the, you know, defensive duties. If you look at the way the pairs are constructed, um, but they both play really solid defense. That pair has been a really nice, you know, surprise mm-hmm. this year, honestly, Schneider as well as, you know, he had a rough first few games, but I think he's really found his footing. Um, right. No, look, I think to to the point of the question, it'll be tough to keep Eric Gustafson. He's here on a one-year deal. Um, it's also kind of why Zach Jones's cameo, which I think went pretty well, uh, is important because if Gustafson leaves, they're going to kind of go to Zach Jones and say, hey, Zach, look at what Gustafson did. That's exactly what, what we need you to do, right? We need you mm-hmm. to become that guy. Six defenseman, second unit power play quarterback, you know, can step in for Adam Fox in a pinch if he gets hurt. Um, Gustafson's able to do that. Now I think Gustafson, he's a bigger body. He's a stronger skater. He fought in Tuesday night's game against Ottawa, which is not, not insignificant. 
standing up for one of his teammates who got boarded. No call on the play, of course. Um, so, <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, so, you know, uh, maybe that's unfair to Zach Jones, but the point is, yeah, Gustafson has been hugely valuable and, and we've been singing his praises all, all year on this podcast. Amazing signing by Chris Drury. Oh, I, I love the signing as soon as they did it because I knew he was, I mean, I wasn't saying, oh yeah, this is going to be a killer signing, but you know, I always knew Gustafson is sort of like a reliable guy, so to speak. And he, he was, you know, he was okay with Toronto, but uh, you know, he was always decent depth, you know, um, it, my, my, my delusion, which I will gladly say is that he takes a, an offer similar to what uh, Ben Harper and Jimmy VC took in order to stay with the team for some stability. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously Gustafson probably won't do that because there probably would be a team in the off season that will probably overpay, but you know, it's obviously well-deserved because he's basically holding down the fort. Um, and you would hope that, you know, Zach Jones can fill in that role because, you know, you know, you, Zach Jones has been given a bunch of opportunities. And I think the last instance outside of a couple of hiccups here and there, he seemed to have made his mark. You know, I've been very vocal in the chat about Zach Jones and how I am a little disappointed at his defensive play. Obviously, he is more of an offensive defenseman. But like you said, you hope that Gustafson or Jones can do something like Gustafson. So my guess is uh, if he... If the Rangers don't sign him to a team-friendly, easy deal, which I don't think he'll take, uh, he's going to get at least two years, maybe three mil, I'd imagine. Some team yeah. that is probably, yeah. you know. Maybe more. Would, maybe more, right. You know, maybe a team that, you know, has a little more cap space that can, you know, put some wiggle room in that. We'll see that Gustafson has, you know, good metrics for a depth defenseman will offer that. I mean, you know what, Godspeed, if he does, good for him. He got the, he got the bag he wanted, you know, and he's, you know, he, 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 earned, he earned it. So it would suck to see him go. I would like to see him in, again next year. And I am thinking of getting a Gustafson jersey. So <laughs> <laughs> you got the whole team in your closet. Um, <laughs> I'm almost there. I, you know, I don't actually have an Adam Fox jersey yet. So I do have to get on that, though. That might that might be my jersey for the new third that's coming out. Yeah, it's um, a glaring omission for sure. Um, all right. So next question. This comes from Immortal Lou 30. He goes, taking into account how hot our start has been, what are your expectations for now for how this season will go? And he adds, realistic goals, what would what would exceed your expectations and what would be considered a disappointing season? Oh, man. Um, so, first of all, and this is going to sound wonky to a lot of people, I understand that, because I'm just a weird fan. I'm in the minority with this stuff. I really want them to win the division and the president's trophy. Like, I think that that stuff matters. I think it I, like, and I know people like will make fun of that. Right. Cause when your team doesn't have a lot of cups, you like hang banners when you win a division or whatever, like to me, like if you have a banner that says, and, and this is what they say in the garden, regular season champions, you know, the Rangers have three of those. Um, yeah. The most recent being 2014, 15. That's a huge accomplishment. Um, do not get it twisted. That is a hard thing to do in a league yeah. like this. I mean, look at their schedule, right? JL, you mentioned this earlier. Uh, and I, I think I saw the number and I'm glad I have a chance to bring it up here. They played 10 games in 18 days. That's and insane. That was, yeah. Coming out of that, you know, break where they had a week off. So, um, and now, like you said, they have three days off then they go back to back with travel. Um, they had that stupid West coast trip early in the season where they oh, bounced geez. from, you know, from <laughs> Seattle back out East and then back out to Vancouver. 
you know, meanwhile, the Devils played Seattle or Vancouver last night, and they're going to play Seattle tomorrow, right? So the, the schedule makers have done them no favors in terms of their mm-hmm. travel. It's it's a tough thing to do for every NHL team, of course. Yeah. Um, and just to add to that real major. quick, just to yeah. add to that real quick when we talk about the schedule before you go on to your point. So they they play Washington on set. This is, this, this is absolutely nuts right now looking at it just visually. They play Washington on the ninth. They come back home to play the Kings on the 10th where they'll debut the third jersey. Then they play mm-hmm. two days later on the 12th against the Kings. Then on Friday of that week, they play on the 15th. They play Anaheim at home and then they go to Boston on the 16th. And then there's two days in between those games. They play Toronto two days in between there. And then Edmonton and Buffalo back to back at home right before the Christmas break. That's a lot of hockey crammed into the next two and a half weeks. And it's a lot of back to backs to your point. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, so again, uh, I really love to see them win the, you know, president's trophy finish on top of the league. Now people are going to think that's crazy because of the curse, quote unquote curse. Um, and also people are going to say that's meaningless. Who cares? But I think it's important um, to me that the the absolute lowest bar in terms of playoff advancement, it's got to be a conference final. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I know that that sounds crazy because it's really hard to win a round, let alone two. But the Metropolitan Division is not particularly, it's not as strong as it has been. You know, Carolina's looking a little less dominant. The Devils have trouble keeping the puck out of their net. And until that changes, I don't believe in them as a true contender. Um, you know, the rest of the division is very, you know, mid to use a, a term the kids use these days with, you know, the flyers <laughs> and the caps kind of in contention, the yeah. Islanders blow a three goal lead twice a week. It's just, you know, there's a lot of slop in the metropolitan division that the Rangers to me should be able to beat any of those teams in a seven game series twice. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, or right. beat one team and then another team. So conference final. And then look, if you get to the final four in the NHL, I think you've had a hell of a season. Um, so I would say to answer Lou's question, that is a slight uptick on my expectations because I actually did pick the Rangers to get knocked out, I think in the first or second round in my preseason predictions. I'll have to go back and look at them. Um, I think actually even the first round. Uh, and I had them losing to the Devils again. So I wasn't exactly hugely Ooh. optimistic coming into the year. I just thought that, you know, it takes time. These things take time. You know, right. the, you look at the timeline for the Avalanche and the Lightning and the other contenders the golden Knights as well. You go through a lot of pain for mm-hmm. usually around half a decade. You know, people think like, Oh, you, you, you lose one season and then you're like playoff tested and you're ready to go. Like these no. teams went through five, six, seven years of, 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 of pain of losing early of not even making it maybe one year. Um, Tampa getting swept after breaking all those regular season records, right. Getting swept by the blue jackets. So mm-hmm. uh, that was my logic going into the season was like, Hey, they just might need a year under Laviolette to really find it. And, you know, further tweak the roster, but they look like they've taken to it. They look like a team on a mission and and I have raised my expectations. Well, that, that, you know, that's obviously the difference between this team and uh, previous teams, you know, uh, they look more engaged, you know, mm-hmm. um, obviously in Gallant's first season, there was a bit of a cohesiveness with the group. So that's why they were able to win, as Dave would always say, they would win in spite of Gallant and how how right he was. Um, and obviously that glue was not there for this, you know, second season. And obviously Gallant's not coaching anymore because of it. Um, to, to to look at Lou's question, um, my expectation for the season, I you know, I, I never understood why people thought divisions are winning divisions in hockey are meaningless. I mean, granted, it's 
it's a bit bigger in the other sports where like if you know obviously there's wild card teams but you know winning your division has perks you know uh mm -hmm. maybe not and maybe not as much in baseball anymore but it, in baseball it used to be the pinnacle where you won your division you know you were one of the you know best of the best and i think in hockey that kind of rings true a little bit more as well actually more so than baseball now obviously it being such a tough sport and all um so i'm on that same boat with you um i want them to win the division um, I used to be one of those people that was like, oh, if they win the president's trophy, they're going to like lose out. But when they did win the president's trophy in 1415, they made it to the conference finals. So it's not really much of a curse. It's just more of the circumstance of Tampa Bay taking advantage of an injured Ranger team, basically, is what it was. It wasn't because they flamed out, you know, and, and mind you, the last Ranger team that won the president's trophy won the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of, you know, possibility. It's not like it happened, you know, in like the 30s, you know, or like it happened, you know, last Last time in the 40s when the team was successful and they didn't win you know they did so um in terms of a disappointing season obviously the high is a conference final that's ultimately the bar you want to hit you know disappointing first round exit when the team was expected to basically make the final um you know especially losing to a rival you know that kind of adds more salt in the wound um if if a disappointing season would also be either losing into the first round or actually completely giving up, you know, their, their division lead, obviously that's basically mm -hmm. almost impossible at this point. But if they slide so much that they actually fall out of a playoff spot, the only time I can honestly say, I remember that almost happening. They weren't playing to the same level that the current Rangers are right now, but it was when uh, Tom Rennie got fired and they started mm -hmm. off that the season it was so it was a season after Yager left funny enough you know we talked about Yager before and they had signed uh Marcus Nasland uh Sean Avery had left and they had gotten Aaron Voros to try and replace him which that didn't exactly work out um so um the you problem know, with Jared that is had, that Aaron Voros was bad and Sean well, Avery was good for all Sean Avery faults. was actually was yeah it was actual good hockey right. player funny enough um so you know <laughs> they they were really petering off and they were they were killing it at the start of the season and then they just started you know tailing off and you know they ended up hiring john tortorella and it actually lit a fire under them and they actually ended up making the eighth spot again losing to washington in the first round so that's probably the only time i can ever see a team that actually had a really high point you know before the new year and then completely falling off and almost collapsing um i don't think that's going to happen here but it that if that were to happen or you lose in the first round, that is what I'd consider a disappointment. But I do legitimately think this team has enough to make it to a cup final. And that's what we're expecting now. Obviously, coming into the season, we thought differently because of what happened. Obviously, you know what your preseason predictions, you know, kind of reflected that. But, you know, as a new coach, none of us really knew what we were going to get. And, you know, clearly we see different now and we have different expectations. So that's usually that that's what I think. They It's conference finals or bust and win the president's trophy, win the division, get the guys, you know, get the boys riled up and the heck with those dumb curses. They don't make any sense. Agreed. All right. Any more questions? All right, we got one more. This comes from Kevin at Spozo211, and he says that Kako called out the coaching staff in exit interviews about receiving top-line minutes. He has done nothing this season to warrant that. Is right wing the top deadline need at this need at this point, assuming Heedle comes back, of course? So we touched on it a little bit, but I figure we can rehash it a little bit for the sake of the question. All right, so yeah, for the sake of the question, assuming Heedle comes back, yes, they have to go get a bona fide... You know, again, I'm going to call it middle six right wing because 
I just think the way that, you know, you almost think of it in terms of like, everyone calls the Panarin line the second line, but it really is the first line, right? I mean, they're, they're doing all the damage. Uh, they're definitely the line teams are game planning against. They're probably putting their top, most teams are probably putting their top defensive pair against that line. You know, and again, Mika is the number one center, but his line is the second most dangerous, right? So to me, you know, and that, and that's why, again, you, you called it out before I, I find it humorous, but that's why like the name, like Frank Vetrano pops out because you don't need a superstar, right? As much as I would love a Tarasenko reunion, I think most of the fan base would, you made some great points about him earlier, JL, about how much mm-hmm. he loved it here, how, how right it seemed, how much of a fit it was, mm-hmm. you know, if that's not in the cards because of the cap number or other logistics, you know, who is the next Vetrano type, right? It doesn't need to be Vetrano. Right. I think he's on a multi-year deal, so that's not going to work. No. You know, does Yanni Gord work? Does, um, you know, I, I I don't know any other, you know, names off the top of my head. You know, Kevin LeBanc is always out there from the Sharks. I think he started to play a little bit better as they've turned their season around. Um, you know, that type long, of player. How long has LeBanc been rumored to the Rangers? I feel like just because he's uh, from New York. I think he's from Brooklyn, right. rather. Staten, uh, they, I think it's Staten Island, which is Staten Island. Does it count? Ar- arguably New York City, but yes. Um, <laughs> no offense to any of our listeners in Staten. Yeah, Island, no, no, probably no. are a few. No. Um, yeah, but uh, so it's that type of player, right? It's somebody who has proven. You know, they've scored twenty to twenty-five goals in the league. Um, they have a shoot-first mentality, and/or they're a really good forechecker. You know that that's kind of why I'm interested to see VZ get that get a shot. You know, in the interim mm-hmm. here because he does check a lot of those boxes. I just don't think he has the scoring punch that, right. you know, that line requires, right. The finishing touch. So, um, I do think right wing is the, is the, is the need. And I think, look with Kako, I love, I love him as a player. I really do. I think there's a place for him on this team in the, you know, short term and the medium term championship teams have players like that, um, mm-hmm. on their roster and he can play up the lineup in a pinch, because he doesn't have, you know, tremendous scoring totals, he's not going to ever be on a high cap number, right? He's never going to demand like a seven or $8 million contract. Cause he's not going to be a 60, 70 point player. It seems. Mm-hmm. So I think he's an incredibly valuable player and he's great defensively. So, um, this is not the end for Capo Caco, but I, I do think the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, premise of the question is correct. He hasn't done much with the top line minutes that he's, uh, been, been, uh, given the opportunity to take so far this season before the injury. Right. I, I, I tend to, I tend to agree, even though that's not the most exciting option for a podcast, but I, I do share that sentiment though. Another player that um, it's funny. We mentioned uh, Vetrano, but I I forget who exactly were we predicting that uh, at the time was going to, uh, you know who I, I'm trying to remember who exactly were we as a as a fan base. Who were we looking to try and predict on who would um, come to the Rangers at the time? And I know there was well, I think maybe Tar- Tarasenko might have been one of those guys. One um, name was but, also uh, one name was Ricard Raquel. Who by yes, the way, there we go. Yes, he has no no goals for Pittsburgh this year. So I'm glad yes. they didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ricard Raquel. That was the one that I personally wanted. But then I remember when 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 it ha- when the trades happened and they got Andrew Cop and Frank Vetrano, I had to take a step back and I said, "That's interesting." And then I kind of like looked into it. I said, "Man, that actually fits pretty well." Mm-hmm. And you know, Cop Strom Vetrano did very well. Not Cop Strom Panarin, sorry. And then Mika uh Kreider and Vetrano did very well so that kind of like 
you know, evened itself out. And then you moved, uh, who was the third line? It was Heedle, Lafreniere, and Kako, right? And then you had uh, Goodrow, Kevin Rooney, and and Tyler Mott. And uh, I don't think Ryan Reeves played much during those those playoffs. But um, uh, but yeah, so for this year, obviously, right wing would obviously be, you know, the 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 key point assuming Heedle comes back um not entirely sure if Elias Lindholm can play right wing but I think that wouldn't if he does that wouldn't be a bad option depending on whether Calgary wants to eat most of his contract um it would be cool for them to try and get an unknown guy who can slot in at center and right wing because kind of let let's be real here you know Barclay Goodrow's not a center so you know whether it's either someone that can slot in on both ends or someone you can just stick right with Mika and Kreider, um, you know, someone who can play multiple positions and kind of maybe help out on a pinch if that were the case. Who that is exactly? Uh, maybe Lindholm. Uh, you said Yanni Gord in terms of scoring depth. Uh, you know, I know this has been someone mentioned, maybe Phil Kessel. You know, he's just a he's just a contract away. I know it's ridiculous, but it's not the worst option in the world. It's not like getting Danny Paye, who couldn't do anything here as a ranger when we got him. So um yeah, I I I, I do agree that right wing is definitely a, a priority. Um I want Tarasenko back, but you know, you beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> yeah, I think the Andrew Kopp uh comparison is actually really appropriate here. You know, a guy that could play both center and wing and just brought the right elements to the team and to that line. It was, it was exactly what they needed, right? It was kind of like that Jesper Foss style player, repla- you know, replacement almost for the, for him, right. uh, but was was a, a better finisher and a better overall scorer, I think, than Foss. Um, I think Gord probably does make the most sense. I'm sure Tyler, uh, our colleague Tyler from Blue Sea Blogs will be thrilled to hear that. So yes. um, again, it'll be fascinating. The Rangers are in a good spot. Um, they've got a really busy uh, pre-Christmas period coming up here. A lot of big games, uh, starting with this weekend, the back-to-back in Washington and then home to the LA Kings uh, in the new third jersey, which I like. And I know you like it too, JL. So we are probably in the minority there, but people generally hate all new jerseys now. So <laughs> of course. I'm not really interested in in those takes. Um, any final thoughts from you before we uh, sign off? Uh, uh, just one other player that I wanted to mention real quick, even though he is tied up on one more season for next year, I wouldn't be against the Rangers bringing back Jesper Fast, but the Hurricanes would have to kind of eat some of that contract. But other than that, I think the Rangers are going to do well in Washington and have a really good weekend. And I think we're going to have a pretty good December. If not, it's not going to be the end of the world. They're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, but it would be a historic collapse if not. Um, all I'll say is I think there's a very good chance because this is the way the universe seems to work with my sports teams, even the Rangers. Um, there's a very good chance that Sunday's game against the LA Kings is a Stanley Cup final preview, which of course would be a rematch <laughs> of 2014, which would you know send us all to the cardiologist very, very quickly. Yes. So oh, um, very gosh. interesting to see how the Rangers stack up against them. The Kings are... Probably the second best team in the league behind the Rangers. They and they're Fuego. on absolute fire. They 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 own the puck as they as they did when they were winning those cups. Really dangerous team. Uh, much faster now than they used to be in those mm-hmm. days. But so it's a little bit of a different style. But um, really good team. I think the Rangers. Uh, that's a fascinating matchup. So I'm looking forward to watching that one. All right, JL. Been a pleasure, everybody. Thanks mm-hmm. for listening. Um, and as always, you can find us on Twitter at Blue Seats Live. You could. 
Uh, subscribe to the pod on Apple and Spotify, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Thank you.